Uh, hey everyone, uh, it's been a hot minute, but welcome back to your Time Starts Now, a Taskmaster podcast. Uh, I'm Emerson. Uh, Joe is not here because he's been very busy for a very long time. He, as you know, his family does big Halloween stuff. Um, and of course, if you're an American viewer, which the majority of you are, uh, this is Thanksgiving week. So Joe is off doing something with his family. So that does mean... Um, after waiting so long and watching the episode we're going to be talking about today, a whopping... Emerson! Emerson! What's that? Didn't you remember to insulate the basement? It is freezing in New England, where I am, and I can't be locked up in there forever just to come out and do the little jingle whenever you want me to do it. I have needs! Spelvin? What are you doing up here? I told you to go... I told you to stay downstairs. Yeah, well, you didn't insulate, and you put all the heating up here, so I'm here until further notice, hibernating. Oh, well, l- you know what that means, folks. It's time to bring back our honorary third host, Spelvin! Woo! You know what I'll probably do here on to, like, the children saying yay meme or something. Yay! All right. It is time to finally talk Taskmaster. Uh, Joe, unfortunately, can't be with us. Um, because this week is Thanksgiving week. I will come back to that in a second, though. But, Joe, you know what that, you know what that means this episode is going to be called? Spelvin? Uh, let's see. The No Joe Show 2 Electric Boogaloo Boom Bitch the Sequel Remix. Um, we'll probably stop after Electric Boogaloo, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. Um, but Spelvin, what is new with you? Oh, Dear God, it's freezing in New England. I have a new refrigerator because apparently Frigidaire loves shit to break. By which I mean water isn't that was flowing down into my fridge. Oosh, that's not good. Yeah, and bearing in mind this is an American refrigerator, which apparently those are slightly different than those in Europe. Um, what we have that here that's standard that I don't think is in a lot of other regions is an automatic defroster that, for the freezer. That's an interesting feature. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, it's, a, it's one thing to not have a dryer because not many British houses have a dryer, but an automatic defroster, you usually just put that in the fridge or leave it out and it defrosts in about however long it needs. Yeah. I use my freezer quite a bit. I stored a good portion of limes in there that I finally started using for malt cider recently. And I'm very grateful that everything just survived the transition. Even the eggs. Was not expecting that. Um, I mentioned uh, not long ago that it was Thanksgiving week. Um, are you not doing any Thanksgiving preps, Melvin? Oh, no. Everyone else is doing it for me. Oh. Well, more specifically, I'm getting dragged up north to celebrate it with people that I vaguely know. I say vaguely, I've known them for pretty much my entire life. You said you're in New England, um, isn't that up north already? Mm-hmm. Closer to the Canadian border. Oh. Where, where the people say A hey, and it's everyone's all about that maple syrup. Mm, not quite that far. We're not that close to the Acadians. Uh, nothing really happens in the UK around this time. It, the build-up to Christmas is, of course, a thing. 
Um, I bet you yeah. in like 10 years time, we'll be feeling this sort of Christmas spirit in August. Uh, we already are. I did see a couple of Christmas items on sale at the grocery store in September, very early mm. September, in an aisle that I don't normally go down. So who knows how long it's been there? Uh, other big news in my life. Uh, I graduated last week. So yeah, I'm officially done with my education forever. Thank God. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Uh, that's going to have to be cut. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the banter we need. Um, shall we talk about Taskmaster Series 8, Episode 7, George? Oh, Lord. The one everyone is thirsty for Joe Thomas in. Mm. Ironic, because this is the No Joe Show Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. This one's got Joe written all over it. Yeah. This is perhaps one of the most noteworthy performances in UK Taskmaster history. Yes, definitely. I think it's the... This is probably the only time I can think of that anyone has gone so close to the 100% of possible oh, no. points, Mark. Someone actually has. Someone finally got there? Uh, yeah, it's a re- recent-ish thing, Series 14, someone did it. Hmm, lovely. Um, I haven't gotten to that season. But that was the high, but this is the highest scoring episode in Taskmaster up to this point. And, but yeah, yeah this is the highest scoring Taskmaster UK episode up to this point, And, in case you haven't been listening, we've been mentioning Joe Thomas, uh, I say quite a bit, maybe like once or twice up to this point. And this episode is all about him. This episode may be called This is Trevor, but honestly, we should call it This is Joe Thomas because this is the Joe Thomas episode, pretty much. Yeah. Um, uh, so how do we describe it other than that? Um, it's Joe's show. We're just living in it. Yeah. We've, we're talking about the Joe show on the not Joe show. I'm sorry. I will stop mentioning that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I should say that in recent times, there have been accusations of me being very lazy with my note taking. I've, I've been watching the episodes on two times the speed and essentially copying and pasting stuff from taskmaster.info. And I wanted to stop doing that, and with this episode, I took a completely different alternative. I watched the episode on normal speed with subtitles, so I didn't miss anything, and I wrote all my notes out, basically by myself, without any assistance. All I did was uh, copy and paste the task-based verbatim so that I could get them exactly right. But other than that, I completely wrote my own notes. I have not stolen anything from anywhere. And I'm hoping that I shall have more to say as a result. Um, now, if I could talk about the banter for a second. Um, Greg so talks about uh, a dream he had where he was being really nice and giving out everyone maximum points or whatever. And then when he reveals that it was a dream, he says he woke up in a cold sweat and he's been really angry ever since. And he ends with the iconic line. And when I heard that line, everything clicked for me. Because I've not watched this episode for a very long time before then, and 
this essentially shadowed, foreshadowed, excuse me, uh, a future prize task. Uh, are you particularly interested to know what goes down in the future, Svelvin? I'm trying to remember. What prize task would it be? Uh, how far have you seen up to, if I may ask? Um, I've gotten through part of 14. All right, you're not, um, you're not like there the yet. the first two episodes. You're not there. Wait, you said you've seen the first two episodes of series 14? Yeah. Then you should know who gets the 100% record. Hmm. Why didn't I notice? They made, like, a big stink hmm. out of it in the episode. In episode, series 14, episode 2, someone achieved full marks. Hmm. Oh, dear. You'd think I'd remember. Um, all I remember from that is the grapes and the flower task. Oh, well. Hang on. Oh, what a surprise. It was Dara. Of course. every Everything is Dara, Brian, in series 14. Except when John Kearns is failing, or Fern Brady is doing something slightly off. I mean... They were clearly paying Dara enough money for him to take the competition seriously, which is a good a sign that Taskmaster's in a good place, pretty much. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, this is not Series 14. This is Series 8. The task that this is foreshadowing is Series 15. Um, I won't say what the moment is. You'll probably know it if you do. Uh, but the moment in Series 14, 15, excuse me, where so this, which this foreshadows uh, has been a recurring gag in series 16 as well. Uh-oh. Yep, haven't seen those. Yeah, but when I, we'll when, I heard, when I heard Greg say, I think my mind just exploded, pretty much. Um, but let's talk about what Alex does to Greg. So he has a newly modified assistance code with a... Was it a high... I'm sure you would have described it as a hydration function, but I wrote it as down a dehydration function. But essentially, it's just well, like a... Yeah, it's, it is effectively just a fluid pack that he's stuck up his coat and well, put, got, down, put the tubes down through the sleeves. He's got two of them, pretty much. He's got... Yeah. Um, uh, the hydration pack is coming out of one of Alex's sleeves, and he offers Greg a little sip of squash, but it's undiluted squash, so it's very, very strong. And then uh, Alex quickly offers Greg his other arm, which to say dilute with the water. And Greg thinks this is the funniest thing Alex has done in eight series of the show, which I think is a very interesting comment to make. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then Greg laughs at something Alex says after this, because the prize is, task is bringing the best slippery thing. Uh, and Alex says, all, all the, the winner will bring home all five slippery things if they can hold on to them. And Greg laughs at this pretty hard, but then he sort of remembers, wait, I'm the Taskmaster, and goes complete poker face on everything. Yeah. Um, Although, I've generally used that as a forced laugh bit in the past. I, I thought it was a genuine laugh. I mean, for me, it was always... For me, it just sounds forced. Um, or if he did, um, to me, it just sounds forced. Okay. The best slippery thing. Uh, do you want to talk about the prize task, George, or should I? Uh, just because I'm going to need to do Taskmaster Spelvin. Yes, I do. Do we have any Hawaiian shirts? I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, not 
not that I can remember. Should we do a thing where we play the Hawaiian shirt count? Or since we're live, we can we, can we get live jingles, George? Because you're here with us today. Okay. Can we do a? Can we get Hold. a Hawaiian shirt count? Probably. Like say the jingle normally, but then just say probably at the end. Could you do that? Yeah. Hawaiian shirt count probably. Um. Yeah. There's probably. Joe, Joe would probably. This is Joe's area of expertise. Um. But. Joe likes patterned clothing. I don't know why. I think Sean was wearing something patterned. But she is. Yeah. Um, Does it count, though? I'm trying to remember what the pattern was. Do you want to talk about what the contestants have brought in, George? Yes. Um, Let's see. Ian brings in a toy alien in a slime egg, which Greg's claims to have confiscated many a time throughout the 90s in his time as a teacher. I don't know why he's confiscating them. They're probably not a pleasant thing to store, and when you forget about them and leave them in your cupboard for a long period of time... Well... I'm sure that slime doesn't look or smell particularly good. Did you talk... Um, you're talking about Ian, but Sean was first. Wh- Sean was first, Wait, yes. what, what order are you going? Are you going in alphabetical order, or are you going in the order they were I presented? I am going in the alphabetical order. Okay. Um, um, that's fine. You do it your way. Okay. Um, back to Sean, then. Sean brings in a foam of memory foam slippers, which he said... She's only recently discovered, she has only recently discovered a substance that has been in use since the 1960s in spacecraft. Oh dear, oh dear, Sean. In any case, I wouldn't really, I don't think Greg calls it particularly slippy, although they are slip-on. The whole bit with Sean's slippers is made even funnier by a contestant in in just a second. Yep. Um, she describes the memory foam as like walking on little clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Uh, Lou brings in a slide with a drawing of a Big Brother contestant known as Nasty Nick. Um, oh, Big Brother made its uh, UK return this year. Oh, God. I've, Why would you ever bring it back? Because it's like I I've no I've not watched it, but some people seem to think it's good trashy reality TV. Good. If you want trash, RuPaul's Drag Race is over on BBC Three. I've never watched Drag Race. Have you ever watched Drag Race in any capacity, Spelvin? I watch it only when it's good, which is to say, rarely. Um, Under what circumstances would it be considered good? Uh, Snatch Game, The Roasts, I'm trying to think about what other... The stand-up challenges, um, largely highlight reels. Very rarely do I ever watch the lip syncs, and they had better be good for me to watch them. Fair enough. Um, I don't really care much for Drag Race. Um... But yeah, we were talking about Big Brother. Um, 
Uh, Alex Let's gives see. Alex quotes uh, Nick's description. He worms his way into people's confidentiality, and um, Greg also appreciates the double meaning of slippery. Yeah. Sorry. It's a slide. It has a slippery person on it. End of story. Um, who's um, next? Let's see. Joe brings in a bar of soap. Hello. What have you brought in? Soap. Five points. Um, I wish it had gotten five, but spoiler alert, it does not. Um, but what happens after this is that... Uh, the cinnamon comes in and does a thing. Mr. Cinnamon comes in and brings a banana skin, which he then later reveals to bring in another layer of banoffee pie jello he calls it ban jelly pie and oh yeah to top it off which is just which is just a banana peel with a surrounding of a banana peel with a garnish of banoffee jelly and to top it all off he rips off sean and puts in slippers um because of course as he puts it there's slip on sean is a little bit irritated that this was he such didn't a great moment earlier. This was just such a great moment because it's like it is objectively chance, but better suits the criteria. Mm-hmm. And like there's literally nothing Sean could do to defend herself against this. Yep. Um that being said, Lou does manage to weaponize the um the soap to weaponize more multiple meanings against um, Joe's bar of soap, which spoiler again, I think should have won and claiming that nasty Nick is a slippery soap. soda sort of character. Um, in addition to just being something that you can physically slip on and is just slippery in terms of morals but that means the scores are sean gets two points no one gets one point by the way ian gets three it's a joe and paul both get four and lou saunders is uh, off to a good start with five points but as we've already discussed that will not last now george can we get the first ever live Taskmaster Joe or Spelvin in this case. Yeah. Or should we do it? It's do it, do it in the sense of like sing it, but then when it gets to your name, just say it completely straight. Yeah. It's the Taskmaster and his name is Spelvin. And he's gonna tell us what <laughs> we should know. It's ta 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 Taskmaster Spelvin. <laughs> okay, uh, long story short. Um, Joe gets five. Joe gets five. Paul gets four. Um, if you have ever been down a slide in the States, you know those things can cause some nasty friction burns, which Yeesh. I think is kind of a contradiction for, you know, slippery stuff. And that's only made worse because Nasty Nick is, um, 
printed out on a sheet of paper that's just slapdashed onto the surface of the slide, making it even less slippery. So, Joe 5, Paul 4, Ian 3, because I could probably see myself slipping over the slime or, you know, just stepping on the egg and then having a fall. Two for Lou, and one for Sean, because, uh, despite the fact that they're slip-on, they're mostly meant to prevent you from, uh, slipping. slipping up, and as such are very good at keeping traction. Quite an ironic name now that you think about it. Um, VT Task 1, this is me. Find the pink ladies. If you touch or move a bowl, you must turn it over. If you find the green egg, you are disqualified. Most pink ladies wins. Oh, you have 10 minutes. The time starts now. So, we're back at the Buckinghamshire Railway Centre. Um, when Ian comes up to do his task, he sees all the bowls that he calls Alex... So the layout of this task is there is nine picnic tables arranged in a three by three square and they've all got a bowl on top of them. Sort of like if you've ever eaten at Wagamama's, the bowls that they serve takeaway food at least. I've not eaten in-house at Wagamama's for a very long time, but I have, I have had takeaway relatively few times. Do they have Wagamama's in the States? Very rare. Oh, Very rare. I, I saw one while I was in Boston. I was surprised to see Wagamama's. I was surprised to see mm-hmm. Clark's shoe, shoe Shops. That one really caught me by surprise because that felt like such a British thing. Um, I heard there's Nando's in Chicago. I didn't go to Chicago yeah. while I was there, but that shocked me. Yeah. Did you uh, go to Primark while <clears> you were in Boston? Didn't even know there was a Primark in Boston. There is a Primark in Boston, and it's a bit of a controversial one, because here in Boston, we have a very special connection with a department store named Filene's, which has since been absorbed into a number of other corporations that led up into Macy's. And as such, with the eviction of the final portion of Filene's, known as Filene's Basement, a very well-known department store, discount department store whose automatic um, price markoffs were pretty infamous in the industry um, and actually is responsible for the concept of a running of the brides marathon where you wear brides dresses <laughs> um, in order to run. Huh. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was for. Oh, it was for their bride, for their bridal suite sales. So people would not only cram outside to watch people do the running of the brides, they would also be cramming in the store with multi-person teams trying to look for decent bridal dresses, decent maids of honor dresses, and that sort of thing. All gone now, and in its place is a Primark. That that was a surprisingly interesting story. I was gonna, I was gonna do the whole things like cool story, bro. Um, but why should I care? But that story was, I actually found that quite interesting. Looks like the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, we always do. Okay, so as as I mentioned, they've got to find the Pink Ladies. Uh, there are five pink ladies. There's three Satsumas in the game as well. The Satsumas are just don't represent anything. 
and there's one green egg. So the green egg is in one of the corners. The five Satsumas are along a diagonal line. And the pink ladies are everywhere else, pretty much. It's a bit hard to describe. Um, but Ian and Joe are up first. Um, so Ian goes straight for looking under the tables, whereas Joe feels... Joe's a little more apprehensive because he feels like he's he doesn't want to perv on an apple, which I thought was really weird. I thought for a second, yeah. did he not know what a pink... Did he think a pink lady was like a little stat, a small statuette of a woman in a pink dress or something? Yes, I think he read that literally. And considering that um, at least on one occasion, someone has submitted uh, blue material to the show, I think it was understandable. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of um, Joe Wilkinson and John Richardson's uh, blue things in the best blue thing task. Yep, it's the blue. Those are the blues that I was talking about. Ian finds a uh, look on the cow in on one of the polls. Uh, and when he goes to look at the cow, the cow has, look on the back of the clipboard, Alex's clipboard, written on it. And the clipboard says, look on the other side of the cow. And Ian's reaction to this is really funny. He just like, the cow says there are five pink ladies. And Ian says that that's no use to him, but it it's really important. So you know when to stop when you, so when you found five, you know to stop. Um, <clears throat> Ethan has found, why did I say Ethan? Ian has found the five pink ladies, but because he's Ian Sterling, he gets cocky naturally and he thinks I'll showbo and I'll open one more. And he, uh, opens the bowl that has the green egg under it. And he is, uh, DQ'd from the task. Joe Thomas, meanwhile, um, oh, by the way, Ian doesn't seem to have pulled any of the bowls that have the, the oranges under them. Uh, but mm. Joe finds an orange first and foremost, and he just realizes, okay, they're, they're just nothing. They don't mean anything. Joe finds a look at the cow, but he struggles to find the cow for whatever reason. Like he, he thinks that either looking on the bowl or underneath the table constitutes the cow. Uh, he, f he manages to find all five pink ladies. <laughs> um, he also finds a little grid that shows where the pink ladies are, as well as where the oranges and the green egg are as he leaves. But because he found all five green eggs, it, it doesn't matter too much. It's not like uh, look under the table in the Strength and Archers task. Oh, did you ever watch Taskmaster USA, George? Not not that you're really missing anything if you are. Um, I mean, there's a reason I didn't. But it's very difficult for me to um, get it without an act of piracy. I'll say that much. Well, to keep it brief, when me and Joe covered it, um, they did do the strength and archers task and they had the look under the table thing. And I'd say two or three people found look under the table. Some people found some, someone found it too late or a couple of people found it too late. Someone found it during the task and then still failed. Oh yeah. Was that Freddy? Uh, I think it was Freddy, because... Uh, I mean, Freddy's just a weird case, but let, let's not talk about Taskmaster USA anymore. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got Paul and Lou. I don't really have a lot to say about either, except that Paul um, goes into hard mathematician mode, because, of course, he does. Whereas Lou just goes full hell for leather. Um... Paul finds an orange on his first turn like Joe, whereas Lou gets 
two ping ladies before finding Look at the Cow. She finds... She manages to find the grids as well within time, but she only manages to get four apples. Um, during Paul's go, we can see the grid in many more locations. I think it's also... It, it's on Alex's back. Um... It's the details on the train windows, although I don't think they're quite as accurate. I think the train windows one is mirrored. Yep. Um, but Paul only gets two within time. Uh, and Sean is last. Uh, she finds... I've got nothing more much really to say with Sean too, but she finds all five pretty quickly. But she turns over the bowl with the green egg and she is also DQ'd, which means we've got two people who are get zero, Sean and Ian... Uh, Paul gets three, Lou four, and Joe gets five points. Apollo threw the dodgeball of prophecy at Sean, and she still managed to lose. Oops. Interesting quote right there. Um, now, I believe VT Task 2 is yours, my friend. Oh, hold on. There is one adapted task for this, um, and I do this oh, because. Oh, did, did you just create the new? Did you just create the new adapted task, Jingle? Uh, no. Um, I'm still thinking about. We've, we never had one before, in case you're wondering. Yep. This. Adapted. Task adapted. Task adapted. Oh, do you know a fun fact about that song? Uh, March of the Gladiators? Well, yeah, the title pretty much says it all, but I can't associate that with not, like, a bunch of clowns coming out of a ridiculously small car, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Fine. Um, Yeah. I love having you on, uh, George, because you're kind of like the anti-Joe in a way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, VT Task 2.1. VT Task 2.1. Choose an outfit that the contestant whose first name comes after yours alphabetically must wear throughout a future task. You have two minutes to make your choice. Your time starts now. I would think that this one was filmed first, oddly, because Joe comes into the caravan and says, Hello, it's Joe. And... Alex says, from the in-betweeners? And he said, and Joe just replies in the affirmative. Um, which makes me think that this was, in some regard, just going to be an introduction task at some point. Like it was one of the first filmed? Or something. Uh, one of the first filmed and probably anticipated to be one of the first um, show. Well... Interestingly, we have had instances where, I mean, actually, before I say that, that's just a usual, like, sort of Alex Hornism to just introduce, to ask questions like that. Um, but we have had instances where Alex will say, and this was the first task they recorded, and it's in, like, episode nine or ten of that series. Yeah. I would not be surprised, though, if um, this was moved to um, somehow give Joe a better chance at winning an episode, because I think that it's more or less been confirmed that in some cases they will rearrange tasks in order to give people a better, one really good chance at winning. 
I, I get that. I've not, I don't really remember everyone's track record for the rest of the series, uh, or even the series up to this point, because I, I'd be gobsmacked if I don't, do I dare go back through my notes? That I'm not going to look, but what I was also surprised is that there is no interaction at all between Joe and Greg that is in between us based this series, which shocks me. It's on the network. I'm a little surprised. Um, Although that being said, I would understand why I'd understand more about not talking about the in-betweeners. If um, this had been filmed after the uh, friends we united special came out, the infamously That's a bad way of looking at it. where uh, at least one person got shoved in a shoot ca- in a suitcase uh, that James Buckley had to quite literally apologize for, despite not being his fault at all. I've I've not seen that. I mean, I've saw I saw the, the bit where they drove in the car to go back to the school. Oh yeah, that which was the good was- part. That was the only. Thank goodness for that. I mean, how can you not love that? Um, I mean, like I thought it was. I don't. I I wasn't unsure why because like Joe Thomas especially has not had many other feathers. Not added many strings to his bow since the in between us. If that makes sense. I think most of the Um, work. A good portion of the work he's been doing has been with um, at least one of the in-betweeners creators. And I mean, like people like Simon Bird. Simon was in a whole other sitcom, uh, which I recall Friday Night Dinner. I recall which, um, Joe appearing on Friday Night Dinner, oddly. <clears throat> or at least with um, his speaking of Joe, he. He, he's he's gone into like the um, content creator world now, which I'm I'm here for. Wait, and Blake sort of just does other things. Blake is working. on the side. <laughs> Blake is, for lack of better, I recall seeing him in the cast list of Very English Scandal, um, which I believe also starred Hugh Grant and Ben Wishaw. He narrated a bunch of Mister Men audiobooks not long ago. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Um, you read the task brief, right? Yes, the first portion of it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that this was could have been filmed uh, after Friends We United came out. Yeah. There's there could be a there's an interesting because the cattle the catalog uh, uh, the Little Horns catalog Little Horns being a play on Little Woods, which was like everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in the UK in the mid to late 2010s. Hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think, who was the woman who did it? Um, One eternity later. Oh, it was, yeah, it was. It was Mylene, Mylene Class was the woman from the Littlewoods adverts hmm. for a, a, a time. Uh, the On the cover, Alex is wearing a jumper that says, I heart Greg. Um, sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to take your task away. Not that there's really anything to talk about with this bit. Nope. Other than some, do you want to say what some of the outfits include or should I? Uh, some of the outfits that are included are a fox, 
a pirate, a chef, a boxer. I'm trying to remember if there was... There were other weird costumes, but what's important to note is that all of them had some sort of impediment on the hand. The pirate, of course, has the pirate's hook. Uh, the chef... Oh, the boxer has the gloves. Boxer's the gloves. Uh, the chef has an oven mitt, a long two-sided oven mitt um, that you could probably... As James, it's, as James A. Castle would describe it, a filthy hammock oven gloves. He's probably ruined a few of those in the time that he's had the soda stream. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else. I think the convict has handcuffs or something. Oh yeah, the pr there is a prisoner costume, um, which has handcuffs, and I'm trying to remember. Santa doesn't have any. I think the restrictions with Santa are more in the beard. Yeah. Santa has beard um, and gloves, which will make future parts of this task very difficult. Um, long story short, everyone starts considering, you know, exactly what I should be doing in order to sabotage everyone, except maybe for Paul, who goes for a slightly less horrendous option. Paulson has a nice pure song. For Sean. And then... Uh, Ian wants Joe to be nude. Well, not all the way nude, but he chose the boxer outfit specifically. Which is the next best yeah, thing. Um, probably. Which is to lack, which is for lack of better, of better words, Rocky inspired. Um, by which I mean it is very bare chested with high waisted pants. Um, that is a way of putting it. Um, and Joe is not happy about this. When we see him wearing the outfit. Should we talk about what, under what circumstances he has to wear the outfit? Everyone marches in. Um, Sean does a Santa impression that makes it sound, as Ian put it, like Northern Santa. To which Sean replies, you're more Northern than I am. I'm Welsh. Which, for once, I mean, Ian concedes <clears throat> on. Yeah, but even if he, even if Sean was northern, Ian would still be more northern than her because he's Scottish. Why? Why is the March of the Gladiators suddenly become the theme of this episode? Because it's what I use whenever I'm looking through something. Um, I don't. Shockingly, I do not have notes for this episode because I do not believe Series 8 is worth our time. Um, for reasons... Me, me and Joe are struggling. Yep. Um, uh, shall, I, shall I give you a hand? At one point, I think Sean calls someone else a nasty little snake. I believe it was... No, no that, that was, was Lou. Yeah. Lou, because of what Joe called her. But the next part of the task... Correctly, wearing your complete outfit, identify the flavors of these crisps. Closest guesses wins. You have 10 minutes. Your time starts now. Um, and as we meant, as George mentioned, all of the outfits have some sort of um, picking up hand impairment. Uh, and all of these crisps are in bags that require hands to open. Yeah. Like. As in Manila envelope 
you are gluing the edge of the envelope, the part that opens, down onto the envelope itself, and you have to open that. I'm only thankful that it wasn't some sort of metal plug that they would have to unfold and then open. Oh, uh, also, uh, they introduce the second part of the task and then they go to commercials. Then when they get back, Greg starts to say, hello, welcome back. Alex interrupts him to Taskmaster. And it's at this point that Greg has a glass of water and he chucks it over Alex in a very interesting moment. It's a very delightful moment. I completely forgot about that. Um, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so the, uh, the gang has to identify uh, the crisp flavors. Um, so there's five bags numbered one to five. Uh, they are in numerical order, gin and tonic, toothpaste and tomato, burnt toast, vegan chocolate, and giant refreshers crisps. And I do not know what giant refreshers crisps are. Hold on. One eternity later. Oh, a giant refresh. I, I don't know why the word crisp was in it, but giant refreshers is like a, a, a sweet. Oh, a lemon version of a starburst is what I'm assuming this is. Okay, I it was worded in a way where I can, and I'm not really a sweets kind of person. Uh, I'm more of a chocolate uh, baked goods kind of guy. Um. So yeah, I didn't really know what exactly that was. Um. <clears throat> also, uh, Ian was the pirate. Um, and he's also put his belt buckle on backwards so that it said I for Ian. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, and Ethan was just, Ethan, why do I keep saying Ethan? I think it's just Ian, excuse me. Uh, if I have said Ethan multiple times throughout this episode and not noticed, you could create your own drinking game at home. Mm -hmm. But Ian was so happy to be a pirate. It was actually quite, quite wholesome. Yeah, he... It's the closest thing to redemption he's going to get in my eyes during this series. Um, well, do you not like Ian? Uh, no, for the bed tap. I hate both Lou and Ian, um, specifically because Ooh, of that bed task, um, where they had to saddle down <clears throat> the hammock in order to fit as much as they could in it. Uh, Lou, Lou, because of the whining and the cheating... And Ian, because of the whining, um, I think he's. I never really liked Lou Sanders either. Um, I mean, I don't have a particularly strong um, favoritism because I don't watch Love Island, so I'm not um, especially fond of. Neither do I. Hands up, girls! Who wants to be on the telly? Or whatever that. <laughs> Which is the only thing that I, I watched. Joe would not be seen dead saying that. Joe would not be seen dead doing a different accent. Yeah. A bad one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the pirate starts with number one. It's got a kind of purple, purpley look to it. One is gin and tonic, by the way. He gets completely stumped on number two. Can't get it at all. He sort of gets number three. Remember, number three is burnt toast, but he says it's burnt bread. Yeah. And the the thing that I find interesting is number four, which is vegan chocolate. <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks that the vegan chocolate is the burnt one, that we get burnt cigarette ash, all of it. Yeah. Charcoal. 
no one uh, likes no the clue on number five. And then number five, number five, no one got to my recollection. Ian's final score is one point five. Uh, next up is Joe the boxer. Um, now Joe's got boxing gloves on, which means he's going to have great difficulty opening the task. Uh, he thinks number one is potpourri or beetroot because of the color. <laughs> um, you can really see the colors of the crisps on people's faces when the task is done, and it's great. Yeah. He manages to get the toothpaste in toothpaste and tomato. He also gets burnt toast spot on. Yeah. Uh, he can't get number. He doesn't get number four, and he doesn't get number five either. He. I liked his description of number five. I'll play it here. That's sweet, but in a in a in a really weird way. Like, um, I don't know. Almost kind of almost a honey, but his final score was two. Was it? Yeah, he's the only one I think that got multiple, and more importantly, without the uh, half point, without any half points. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Sean is next. She's coming as Santa. Um, the beard is probably a bit of a hindrance here. The gloves are sort of just like... They're not kind of like wintry mittens. They're just sort of like short opera gloves. The way short white opera gloves is the best way I can describe yep. it. Like like sort of the gloves that Jess Napper's mum gave her, for, which she brought in for that prize yep. task. When she lost um, her boyfriend... When she lost her prom date, I should say. Yeah. And... Um, she mentioned that her friend Nell got off with more people than she did. Mm-hmm. And James A. Caster starts his uh, introduction with my wife, Nell, which is brilliant. She also guesses potpourri for number one. She doesn't get two, three or four right. And she thinks number five stinks like a manky house. I, uh, final score of 0.5. I would also uh, like to note that uh, Paul gives Sean a dirty look when she says, I believe when tasting the toothpaste and tomato that mm, this is something that you'd have that's really exotic or something along those lines. <laughs> I, or something. Honestly, that would be, I've seen. Oh, I remember it now, slightly better now. Um, ooh, that would be good. And that feels like Asian cooking, which, of course, it's toothpaste and a western food in all fairness mint is fairly well regarded as an herb at least in asia so half right probably um so we got the two two chefs paul and lou um paul describes number one as not commercially successful (laughs) uh he gets the toothpaste correct um he also guesses cigarette ash for number four. I I wrote in my bra- I wrote in brackets. I don't think that would be legal. Mm. Uh, in even in the not 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 just for store shelves, but in the case of this task. Yeah, I will say um, and um, can- as a, someone who lives in a country where asbestos is still legal, technically, um, I would object to the notion that apparent that cigarette ash would not be sold on um, supermarket shelves. Because you have to remember, we also have a barbecue sauce soda, ranch dressing soda, bacon soda. I'm trying... 
So, yeah, I don't think cigarette ash crisps are totally out of the question. But Paul's final score was one. Lou has to eat them off the, the crisps off the table with her tongue. I don't have anything for of much note for Lou. Um, she guesses burnt for four, and her final score is also 0.5, which means Joe roms home again with five. Um, Ian gets four, Paul gets three, and Sean and Lou both get two. So we've got one more, t- one more VT task. And do you want to talk about this one? Yes. Um, do the most powerful thing with your little finger. The task is presented on a plastic hand that when the task is removed from, the pinky comes off. Do the most powerful thing with your little finger. Yep. Most powerful thing done with your little finger wins. You have 30 minutes. Your time starts now. Almost immediately, Lou considers impregnating herself with her little finger. And Greg says that he doesn't think anyone would match Josh Whittakam's commitment to tattooing his the Taskmaster's name on his foot. Mm. I'm trying to think about what else everyone does, but the only thing that comes to mind is Sean trying to open the door uh, with her pinky. With her pinky. And, of course, I can just imagine hers. And she says to Alex, who is in the room, I think that counts as powerful, don't you? And I just see Alex in my mind's eye going completely deadpan and tilting his head like, really? At which point, Sean just says, no, I I don't know. And then exits the room to begin the task. So go five very interesting attempts. Would you care to break them down for us, George? Um, Ian sets up a monthly donation of $8. Well, no, not $8. I'm misreading. I'm misreading currency signs. I've seen too many of them. Ian sets up a monthly donation of eight pounds plus gift aid to mental health charity Mind with his little finger after which he chops through a shortbread cookie. Indeed he does. This is paired with Paul, who donates a hundred pounds to a couple's honeymoon GoFundMe campaign with his little finger, allowing them to travel the coast of California, which is argued in the studio is less than an eight-pound monthly donation because... Paul just donated to someone having a honeymoon as opposed to mental health. Well, both are sort of treated the same way in Greg's eyes. Which was weird. Um, let's see. Oh, lose is we lose is weird. Um, lose is very. This is lose is. Um, this is something we. This see is like a play Edinburgh. that goes wrong. This feels, as someone who's never been to the Edinburgh Festival, this feels like something that people would put on at Edinburgh at one point in time. Yeah. Uh, she tries to do some sort of weird theater piece that uh, represents the consequences of pollution. Uh, she sets up a drain pipe and a series of bricks to elevate said drain pipe. Um, and on the edge 
on the um, surface of two barrels. I think it's two barrels. It might have been three. And in any case, she puts down at the end of that drain pipe, below the barrels, a bowl, a bowl of water of plastic babies and rubber ducks. She then attempts to send a bowling ball down the drain pipe into the bowl and immediately fails, which she then has to... I re- mean, the, the bowl first falls off the track, um, then the drain pipe collapses. Lou resorts to knocking one of the bricks into the bowl, and not even that, it goes amazing. The task, her attempt ends with the words, and that's the thing about climate change... You have to expect the unexpected. You absolutely do. Which Greg was confused by. Yeah. And it's a very interesting contrast to Joe Thomas, who does, who tries to give a very similar message, I would say, but I'll, I'll let you take the floor with that one. Uh, Joe sets fire to a rope after, with a match that is taped to his little finger that presumably he lit himself using only his little finger. Um, as a rope burned, curtain drops from the fra- from a frame um, outside the Taskmaster house, uh, revealing the word recycled, chalked onto the brick wall behind it. He then immediately proceeds to what I will refer to as model walk, outside, out of frame. He sashays himself out of there. Um, that was probably the most confident we have, we have ever seen Joe Thomas be on Taskmaster. Um, that's a good way of putting it because after all, this is, this is the Joe Thomas episode. He almost ruins it Um, immediately afterwards by going, by delivering the words, it's a powerful message in the most doubt-ridden tone that I think ha- could ever be used. And, and, oh, and the, the, the boy's actually questioned, uh, knocking him down a peg. Yeah. And there's one person left, Sean Gibson. Um, we've seen some really powerful um, things uh, so far. What has Sean Gibson got up his sleeve? Uh, Sean brings in a stuffed guinea pig. She puts him down. Named Trevor, by the way. This is where where we get the episode title. Yeah, named Trevor. She puts him down into a a more or less typical guinea pig enclosure, um, at which point she takes her pinky finger, breathes in, and... Through the magic of movie editing, shocks the guinea pig to life. And uh, Trevor changes color. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tre- as well. Trevor completely changes color. And also, after everyone has left the lab at that point, Trevor gives us a dramatic chipmunk moment and stares directly into the camera. Uh, Should that be the thumbnail? Put that in my notes. Or um, the guinea pig, yes. I I know the one you're referring to, but the Trevor looking into the camera is the one I'm referring to. I wrote Trevor looking at the camera at the end is a big mood. Like, 
This is this is what happens when you take your own notes, people. You write interesting things. Um, Greg and Alex debate really hard about whether this is powerful or not. Um, they talk about animals that are more powerful than guinea pigs, like dogs and horses. And then, because yeah. Greg is just teetering on, is it good? Is it not good? So Alex has to ask him, did you think it was powerful? And Greg realizes that he has to base his thoughts off of and his unfortunately that knocks her down into the garbage portion of the rankings joe thomas yep she screams effectively um ian sterling and paul sinha both get three joe thomas gets a five and lou sanders talks back to Greg, which gets a threat of a subtracted point after she does it multiple times. Although, frankly, she opens her mouth, I'd start deducting points. Yep. Uh, now it's time for the live task. Do not release the green egg. Each team will be asked a question in turn. If you pull the string with the correct answer, you will not release the green egg. A different member of your team must answer each time. You may, you must pull a string within 30 seconds. The team that doesn't release the green egg wins. This is the second task in this episode to feature a green egg yeah. and not revealing it. You win, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> so they're split into teams. Uh, we have the usual team. Um, they're, they're the usual teams. Uh, Ian, Lou, and Paul on one team and Joe and Sean on the other team. I can't remember if these guys gave themselves names, or if me and Joe gave them names, whatever. But the questions are as follows. Um, how many Gs are there in the Taskmaster's full name? The answer is two. Uh, I should say that there is, um, like, a bunch of trapdoors, and the cords to release the trapdoors have the numbers 1 to 11 all written on them, and they have to pull on them. Um, but Ian lunges for the two rope. Like, he literally jumps and puts his whole weight on it. Um... And as a result, Alex has to ask the guys to pull more gently. Um, and he has to do this multiple times with Ian and Ian alone. Um, the green egg does not release, though. Um, question two for the team of two. Citizens on Patrol is which number Police Academy film? Uh, I wouldn't have got this. Uh, but Joe pulls the five rope and doesn't release the green egg. So happy days. Question three, how many points did Shirley Bassey's Pop Socks get in episode two of this series? Uh, the answer's four. Lou pulls the appropriate rope and the green egg doesn't fall. Um, question four, what is 100 minus 19 divided by 27? Uh, the answer's three. Joe pulls the three rope and the green egg doesn't release. Um, how many months of the year have more than eight letters? Um, I wouldn't. I I found this one quite surprising. I would have thought that there was maybe three or something, um, or maybe it's just as like the use of longer letters in certain of them. Like the letter M is in both November and December, and that's quite a long letter. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but only one month has more than eight letters in it. September. Um. Now, question six is where it gets interesting because instead of the answers technically having numerical answers, having numerical answers, this one technically doesn't. What's left behind after a vomit party? 
a bunch of sex, so they pull the sex robe. Um, the green egg doesn't release. The droopy draws minus triple dozen. Um, if any of you... <laughs> Uh, if anyone, I didn't understand this. If any, I didn't understand it. If anyone knows bingo, bingo calls. Droopy draws is forty-four, and triple dozen, pretty self-explanatory, is thirty-six. Um, is that Cockney rhyming? Style? No, it's uh, bingo calls. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes slightly more sense. Um. Unless, is it a bingo call? Oh yeah, it is a bingo call. Hang on. Back. Uh, question eight: Santa's German helper. Uh, the answer is eleven. Sean pulls the eleven rope, doesn't release the green egg. Question nine: The last question asked, and honestly, this one tripped pe- people up a bit. Uh, how many S's are in the following phrase? Assessing the assassin wasn't easy. Um, the answer's 10. Uh, but Lou pulled the nine rope. Initially, the green, le- green egg didn't fall out. Uh, but Alex pulled the rope a bit harder and the egg fell out and Lou threw some of it at Greg. So, yeah, um, which means the final scores are it's five points to the team of two and nothing to the team of three, meaning with yeah. a, whopping 24 points one point off four marks but over 10 points clear of second place our winner is joe thomas Woo! thank god he finally won and thank god with this podcast is finally moving again albeit not in the way we expected yep um um i will say um at least in terms of Lou. Uh, I personally think that she was actively trying to avoid the egg when it didn't come out. Um, because, of course, we've seen, we've seen her do that before. She's fairly conniving. She gets other people to do her um, explanatory work at least once. Yep. And of course, we know that she's prit, that she, despite being relatively incompetent, is prone to cheating. Please see the hammock task from earlier in the season. So it is still my considered opinion that not only poor sportsmanship from Lou, but also cheating. <laughs> mm. An attempt at cheating. I can't. Which uh, puts her further down for me. I just can't. I just, I'm just so done with this series, man. I know no one likes negativity, but honestly, whereas Series 6 grew on me when I had to dissect it for this podcast, I'm just not finding anything to really enjoy with the series. You've got Lou, who's whiny annoying. You've got Ian, who's whiny and annoying. Joe's a bit nothing-y. All of these people have either... Joe is so... Joe is intensely awkward, and I love him dearly for that. I mean, I get, actually, you're right. Um, I guess there's something to. I guess there is a. But I, I wish these people had a little more like a, a noteworthy personality with amongst people like her. Yeah, and especially because in the Channel Four area, the bar for personalities has been raised so high, especially with someone like Sam Campbell in Series Sixteen. Oh God, I'm looking forward to him. Honestly. As I, re- 
as I recall, he drew um, James A. Castor's witch tits uh, portrait that showed up in one of James's prize tasks. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Did he mention that? Apparently, um, I'm trying to remember where it was mentioned. Um, one eternity later. If you remember the picture, um, happy birthday, good on you, James, a bunch of squiggles, and then Sam. And that's prop. It is. I'll come across. I'll come across it. That, um, this episode's pretty long. Yeah. I don't. I just want to edit it and get it over with. We'll call it a night here. It's good to be back in a strange capacity. I hope Joe can be be back with us soon. Thank you for stepping in for now, George. I wish I'd asked you to do this sooner, but I wasn't sure uh, if you could or be prepared. That's why we took a bit of time. Um, yep. All right. Now go back to the basement. Uh. Bye, everyone. All right, now where's the off?